Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to the Love You podcast, where you'll learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. Today, we are talking about dating as a single parent. Um, I don't think it's any secret that so much of what I do as a dating coach is informed by my own uh, personal experience, right? The 300 online dates and the random sexual experiences and the pain of heartbreak and rejection. Uh, what I call short-term pessimism and long-term optimism of, of uh, not expecting too much from any one date, but still getting back on the horse to go out on another one. 10,000 plus hours of listening to women complain about men and still eventually fall in love with one. So since I started doing this in 2003, I've gotten married, had two kids, bought a house, and watched my small business quadruple in size since 2010. I know more than I ever have but there is one thing I don't know anything about from personal experience, and that's divorce. So to be fair, half of my clients are divorced, and it's not like I'm uh, not intimately familiar with the challenges that they tell me that they face in the dating world. It's more that, like anything, having not walked a mile in the shoes of a divorcee and single parent, my personal experience remains limited. Thus, I have more deep sympathy for single parents than I could really talk about shared empathy since I've never been a single parent. Dating as a single parent has a unique set of challenges, not unlike, say, long distance dating. It's just like regular dating with one massive complication that creates a whole bunch of minor complications. In this case, the complexities of an amical versus a bitter divorce, a peaceful versus contentious child custody battle, the financial well-being of both of you, uh, and the, right, the divorced dad you're dating, how he's doing, well, you can see how it's not nearly as simple as it was when you were both 28 and single. So instead of prattling on about my few single parent dating theories, um, I really want to get to my callers quickly today. Before that, I just wanted to note these five things. And if you want to uh, write down these, these, these five things, these are, these are some of my takeaways from having coached smart, strong, successful uh, divorced women over the years. Number one, the best fit for single parents are other single parents. Non-parents rarely understand how much parenting dominates your life. Number two, don't expect single parents to have perfectly together lives any more than your life is perfectly together. Divorce is inherently messy and you may have to make some allowances for convenience, inconveniences like ex-wives and child support and children themselves making time for them. Number three, Overcommunication is key. The more you can understand where he's coming from and share where you're coming from, the more you can avoid the inevitable conflict of trying to make all parties happy at once, which is sometimes impossible. Number four, your love life is yours. It's not your kid's job to spoil it for you, right? You, I've, I've had women who say, yeah, I can't go out with this guy. My kids won't let me. What? Stand up to your kids. They are not the best arbiters of what's good for you. They only think of what's good for them. And number five, try not to integrate your partners into your life or even introduce your kids at any great length until you're mutually and clearly on a marriage track. You want to avoid them getting emotionally caught up in what could be just another internet relationship gone awry, um, as happens so very often. So I want to take a few callers who are also deliberating on how to apply the concept of, uh, you know, dating as a single parent and all the complications that come with it. We're going to begin today with Casey. Hello, Casey. Hi, Evan. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Thank you. 
My pleasure. What can I do for you today? Okay. Well, I'm not divorced and I'm not a single parent currently. Okay. You're looking forward to becoming one? What am I doing here, you ask? So right now I am in the process of becoming a foster parent. Uh -huh. um, and it's such an amazing experience so far, but it's, it's a weighty one. Um, it feels like there's a lot of magnitude with that, if that makes any sense. So I guess I'm just kind of curious um, about your feedback. How would you suggest broaching this topic with someone that I start to date, um, that there is a potential child I don't know how long the child will be there. I don't know how many children there will be. You know, there are just many, many variables. So I'm kind of just wondering how to navigate that situation. <clears throat> that is an interesting question, uh, my dear Casey. And I will say it's one I've never answered before. So I don't have a sort of pat, you know, recycled after 10 years Evanism for you. Uh, I actually have to think. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a theory about how one should deal with difficult situations in general, right? And it could be your, your crushing debt, or it could be uh, uh, your antidepressants, or it could be your crazy ex who still occasionally pops in and out of your life. Things that we don't necessarily want to deal with. Mm. In general, I wouldn't bring them up too early, right? Not because they're things that are your fault necessarily, or you need to be embarrassed about, but rather too early in the relationship, it, it, it functions as, uh, I'm going to tell you all the problems with me right up front, so please don't leave me, right? And if you can handle this, then you can handle everything. And people, we all have enough life experience to know if some guy pulls that with you on a first date, yeah, just letting you know I'm a recovering drug addict. Nice to meet you, recovering drug addict. Bye-bye. Right? Like, not that there's any, hey, no, I've been sober for eight years. Bye-bye. Right. If you already like the guy, right, and have seen him show up for a month and be really, really good to you and you've seen no evidence that this is causing any problems, he can then share a piece of his past that you're more likely to be able to digest, right? And so it goes with any difficult thing, right? This is not single parenting advice. It's how do you broach difficult topics? So it's the tricky thing about your topic is not just that it's a child, is that there, just the way you frame the question, there's so much uncertainty surrounding it, right? It's, it's you literally don't know anything right. about what the future holds, right? It's like flipping a coin, right? Do you have any clarity when you will know more? I mean, yes, that will come in time. In time is next week or 2026. Well, or Those are both in time. Right. For me, this will transpire in the next six months. In the next six months. And, and forgive me because I know nothing about the process. You, it, it, it's, 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 it's not full-time custody. It's temporary custody of a child of any age. Well, there's all sorts of um, processes that you have to go through, like a home study. Yeah, to that. show that you're fit for the job. Right. Right. So when that happens, you'll have like, I would, I wouldn't be able to take more than one child because my home isn't big enough. Um, but I think it would be a smaller child, things like that. I already know, but basically it's like you could get a phone call in the middle of the night and you just decide on the spot. Yes or no. Got and it. it could be six days. It could be six weeks. It could be six months, or I could decide to adopt a child. Can I, can I ask a more challenging question? Please. What is the motivation behind taking this path? Well, I think that there are kids that need help 
And I think I've always wanted to be a mother mm -hmm. and I have the space in my life to do that. Okay. Um, my life certainly hasn't gone the way that I thought I, it would go. You know, the dream most, was always, Most of us could say the same thing. The dream was always to be a wife and a mother. It's uh -huh. never been to be a single mother. And has, is, has that ship, ship entirely sailed yet? No, no, I, but I think I'm hesitant to, to keep waiting, you know? Well, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna get in the way of your dreams of being a foster parent. I might challenge your existing narrative though. Okay. To me, that's, that's actually a more, a more interesting and deeper question instead of how do I tell the guy that I might be dating that I wanna be a foster mom, mm -hmm. right? It's why am I punting on the dream of creating a, a nuclear family with a husband who either wants to have a child with me or brings a child to the equation. Why, why am I going in this direction? And so it, it's, it's the question that's being begged and I'm not, there's no judgment. It's just, I'm trying to understand. I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you want to say it publicly, but I, I often, right, find women who get the order backwards, right? They look for the kid because they, they have this deep need for a kid, which can't argue. I'm a, parent, I, I, I will extol the virtues of parenthood all day long, right? But they go for the kid and then they try to back into the husband. It's a lot harder to find a husband when you're in the throes of, of parenting a toddler, which is, which really is dominating. It's single moms of the hardest job in the world. So may I ask, would you consider the possibility of just dedicating the next year to finding love and building a family the traditional way, not that there's anything wrong with the other way. Is that in the cards at all? I think that's a wonderful question. And I mean, I wrestle with that. I ask myself that same question all the time. Um, I don't mind saying in public, I'm, I'm 39, I'll be 40 this year. Okay. And I lost an ovary several years ago. And so I don't think I've had my fertility tested and I don't believe that there's any f fertility potential for me. Okay. Um, so, I mean, these are all factors that I'm- Sure, that are I'm and I'm just trying to understand where, where, where you're coming from. So, um, the biological option, as you see it, is unlikely. Probably. Okay. Um, uh, is it better, and I, and I don't doubt that foster kids need home, homes too. I, I know someone who's a foster parent, so it's a beautiful thing that you're doing, as is adoption. Um, what about the possibility and have you sort of measured emotionally, would you be happier uh, adopting a foster kid or becoming a stepmom or marrying a man who has a kid and adopting a baby from birth who doesn't come from the, the, the foster factory where that you, you inherit a lot of other people's mistakes. Right. Right. So have you considered that? Yes. And I'm just, Yes to all of it. Yes I would to all open, of it. I would be open to all of those things. So, but, but this is the path you're choosing is your question is, I'm going to be a foster parent. How do I tell a guy I'm dating? Right. Right. And if, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't at least question the narrative. Like you chose a path, you're at a fork in the road, you're choosing this path and it's debatably the hardest path. <laughs> right. Which is not wrong. It's just... Right, if, if your heart says these, these poor kids with, with, who are orphans and broken homes, I wanna, I wanna take one of them and save them and turn their life around and give their life meaning and purpose, give my life meaning and purpose. Again, you can't argue with the beautiful souls who do this. 
But there are easier and harder ways of building a family and adopting a foster kid and then trying to find a guy where everything is so uncertain seems to be harder than finding a guy who married the wrong woman in his late 20s, got divorced in his mid 30s, and would be thrilled to find you right now. Right. That's just not happening. (laughs) That is a a passive voice answer. It's just not happening. Okay. Right. And, and again, that's, that's challenging. That's, that's what I do. No, you're right. But like this foster parenting, this is something that I can kind of make happen. Got it. So now we're control. getting somewhere. Right. The dilemma of the smart, strong, successful woman. There you go. Yes. It's easier to do the things that you can, can entirely control. All right. So I'm just going to, I could make this happen. I guarantee I can make this happen. Right. right. But just know that in making that happen, you're pulling your focus from another effort Okay. Right. And you're changing your dating pool. Yep. All right. You're, right. And it's a smaller one. And it may, I don't want to necessarily go on record and say it, but it may be a less desirable one. <laughs> the guy who wants to take on the, the woman who just got a random foster kid and, and take on that level of, of, of uncertainty and, and turmoil. Right. Right. A guy who's got more confidence, more going for him might just say, hey, this is just a little too, me- you're lovely. This is a little too messy for me. Right. Right. But I'm perfectly willing to date you because you're a, a, a nice, smart, beautiful 39-year-old woman. And I think I'm falling for you. And I don't know what the future holds, but, you know, either I've always wanted a family or I have a five-year-old and I'd be, you know, I'd be willing to adopt uh, if you were willing to adopt. Mm-hmm. That seems to be, for me, uh, and, and a more realistic script instead of starting from the place that that's just not happening. And I'm a, I'm a dating coach. I make those things happen. So I have no shortage of women who are 39 who ended up married and with families, right? In different ways, biological and otherwise, right? And really like, that's not, that's not bullshit. I could, I could, I could give you names. Oh, I believe you. So, so it's, um, are you aiming down here because, and again, it's not to diminish the value of being a foster parent, but are you aiming down here because that's the most, you can control it all and it's the most achievable goal with most definite end and therefore you're settling because you don't get the big picture. And I think of uh, my friend, Lori Gottlieb wrote the, that book, uh, Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. I'm not sure if you've read it. It's a worthwhile book uh, written in 2010. And Lori did some version of that. She, she got uh, some Ivy League sperm donor and when she was 38 or 39. And she was sitting in the park with her three-year-old in her early 40s and looking at all the families around them. And she said, huh, this, this wasn't the dream. This, I'm, I'm glad I have my kid. No one regrets having the kid. But this wasn't the dream I was pursuing. How did, how did I get here? Where did I take my eye off the ball? So... Uh, I know you asked one question and I'm answering another, but I would just encourage you to at least think about the possibility of, um, you know, you, and again, this is never a sales pitch, right? But you, you join Love You if you haven't already, and you go through the course over the next six months and it transforms your love life. And then, you know, six months from now, you have a guy and now you're making these decisions together. What are we going to do? Right. Right. Instead of, hey, I could get myself a foster kid. There's a lot of uncertainty and randomness. How do I fit a guy in with that? 
I don't know the answer. It's been done before. It's just there's less of a template for guys wanting to take on that uncertainty as opposed to starting with a clean slate with a woman who has no kids in her late 30s. That, that, that's really a prize to a lot of guys. Hmm. So just uh, food for thought. Like I, you don't have to tell, if you're, if you're, we're back to your original question, you don't have to tell anybody about your foster stuff until you've gotten a little closer and it de- it, you deem it relevant. But I would encourage you to think about whether you want to devote the next six months into dating in earnest and meeting one new guy a week. So in six months, you've gone out with 30 guys and I predict you'll find one you like if you date my way. So, okay. so there's that option, right? And the truth is, you can always get a foster kid. Right. Right? Like literally, like you, you could give dating in earnest, you could date my way for two years. And that doesn't work, then you can get a foster kid at 41. My wife and I didn't have kids until 41 and 42. Right. So just, I, I almost feel like apologizing to you for throwing a wrench <laughs> into the mechanism. I think I, in my heart of hearts, I knew that you would ask me that question instead. So thank you actually for asking the harder question. Yeah. And please sincerely um, email me and, or okay. however, I mean, I'm not, that, I'm not that hard to contact. Email me through, through the many ways you can reach me and let me know what you choose to do and let me know how I could help. Okay. I will. Thank you so right. much, Evan. Thank you. Our next caller is the first caller was Casey. This is Stacy. Hello, Stacy. Hello. Hello there. I'm a How big fan. Uh, my question today is... If it's the is, same question, I'm, I, I've got... I don't know how I'm going to answer it differently. <laughs> no, it's not the same question. Okay. The same question, my question, is does talking about kids too early in the dating process kill, like, any chance of romance? It's that is um, a loaded and interesting question. <laughs> I, I think that it does, but obviously what I've been doing hasn't been working for me. So I wanted your take on this. Well, let's, let's go backwards. What hasn't been working for you? Well, so when a guy starts talking a lot about his kids and asking me lots of questions about my kids before he even knows anything much about me, I try and steer the conversation away to try and get to know each other as people before getting to know each other as parents. Okay. And, and you say that in and of itself hasn't been working for you? Is that like- Well, I'm still can, single. Can you, no, I'm saying, <laughs> but can you isolate that as the problem? I don't no, know. No, 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 I'm not saying that's the problem. I'm okay. just saying, because I'm still single, I want your advice on, am I approaching this topic correctly? I feel like there's two different questions here. <laughs> All right. One question is when, when or how is the most appropriate way to talk about children? Right. Okay. The other question is, why am I still single? Well, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if not... the show's long enough for that. <laughs> but but I, I, don't, I don't know that they're necessarily the same question. Like, you, it, you're, you're creating it as if it's causality. Well, I'm talking about kids, and I'm still single. Therefore, I'm still single because I'm talking no, no, about no, no. kids. I don't think – I'm never the one that wants to talk about kids. Okay. So, why do men talk about kids? Yes, that's my question. No, to no you. I'm asking you. Oh, <laughs> I think because they're a big part of their lives. I get that. I understand mm-hmm. that. And they know and that I'm also a parent. Just more. Let's keep digging. Why <laughs> do men talk about their kids? 
Think um, about it. Put yourself in his shoes. You know, because they love their kids and they're important and they want to share that part of themselves with me. I get that. More. <laughs> um, and because they're trying to connect with me. Uh-huh. Because you are also a parent. And right. this is something that you have in common. Right. And they're trying to impress you. They're trying to demonstrate in the 90 minutes they have with you that they're good involved fathers who care about their kids. Right. Right. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing here. I've never been a single dad dating, but I'm guessing I when a guy that. leads with the kids, he's saying, we have, we have this in common. You're a mom. I'm a dad. Kids are special. And I want you to see how, right. This is what guys do. They, they, they show up and they try to tell you why, Here's why I'm great. You've, you heard a guy yap, yap, yap on a date? Here's why I'm great. Here's one of the many reasons I'm great. I'm in, mm -hmm. I, I coach my kids' little league team, and you know, I, I still do their baths, and I still, I mean, they're bragging to impress you about how worthy they are of being a husband and a father. So I'm not saying it's smart. I'm not saying it's sexy. I'm not saying anything. Right. I'm trying but to so get into to why someone would do that. Okay. So we, we first we seek to understand. Right, I get that, but <laughs> but my feeling on it is it kills like any chance of there being a romantic relationship out of that. Okay. So well, I don't think it kills it. I, I well, would have it to puts a damper on it. I, think. I would have to guess that there are single parents who talked about single parents and still managed to uh, <laughs> have sex later in the relationship. I mean, okay. just guessing. It's not like it was a, a verboten topic until they became boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, but if your observation is that certain uh, topics of conversation don't lead to romance, right. I completely agree with you. I was out with a childless couple last night and I was like, let's not talk about the kids. They don't want to hear about their kids. That's why they didn't have kids. Right. So I think you can redirect it in a way that's sort of light and playful. It really just calling attention to the same thing you talked about me, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody loves their kids more than I do. It's clear how much you love your, your kids. Let's not talk about our kids. Tell me something about you. Tell and me that's what, what I do. That's what I do. Right. But so, so like I wrote in why he disappeared, sometimes the why doesn't matter, right? I tried okay. to explain why he does it. doesn't matter. It's what are we going to do in spite of, of that, the fact that men act X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep on doing this, regardless of what you and I exchange here on this, this podcast. Right. Right. So how do you roll with the punches in such a way that you can kind of get a date back on track, right? And, and jolt him out of his, you know, that, that, that father thing. Because by the way, it, it, it it wouldn't surprise me if there's more women who identify with mothers who do this to the men that they're out with. The guy is looking for a connection and romance and she's yapping about her kids. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if this, this, this role reversal worked a lot yeah. in the other direction too, right? If, if that's a big part of your identity. So how does one show up and be present on a date and be a great date, right? Well, there's, I mean, I've, I've written tomes on that. Right? Look him in the eye and touch him on the hand and, mm -hmm. and make him feel interesting and important and, you know, just, just be present with him and use a little bit of fix, uh, physical affection, right? right? Take his arm yeah. when you're walking down the street and touch his knee and little genuine things that get him out of dad zone and into romance zone.
Mm-hmm. Right. So okay. he's picking, he's picking up on your cues to be here with you. Right. right. It doesn't have to be like a whole, right. It, like you're, you're, you're nudging him and he doesn't see that you're nudging him. Right. <laughs> and, and if the nudging doesn't work, then you say, Hey, like you said, I could think of a hundred things that are sexier than talking about our kids. Let's name one. <laughs> right. It's just, yeah. you, bur- you burst the bubble. You both okay. have a laugh. Right. But you don't get stuck on a date where I just spent 90 minutes hearing about this, this kid's, uh, this kid learning to read or this kid's <laughs> right. autism or this kid's whatever. Mm-hmm. And you don't get sucked down that rabbit hole. Cause sometimes women end up being shrinks on dates for men. Yeah. I found that a lot. Right. Cause he's, he found someone who's willing to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't have that. His kids aren't going to listen to him. His ex-wife isn't going to listen to him. He doesn't have guy friends who really listen in the same way. So he finds you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, blah. Yeah. Right. So, so what, what do you do when that happens? How do you steer away from becoming someone shrink on a date? It, it's, it's very, I mean, there's, there's a, a certain conversational mastery that comes with practice. It's, I, I call it giving the politician answer. You know, when a politician gets a question and mm-hmm. uh, doesn't want to answer it and they sort of acknowledge it like at a debate and they sort of just glide past it and they give the answer they want to give. Right. I think it's something like that. It's, it's, it's fundamentally a, a, an acknowledgement of the question and then a, a, a redirect and a pivot to something that's a little bit more pleasant. Okay. Right. So you don't make them feel bad for mm-hmm. bringing it up. You just sort of glide past it and, with a smile. And most guys are agreeable. I mean, most guys get it. They're not going to insist. No, I must tell you about my pain. <laughs> Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I get, I get a little heavy. It was, my breakup was a big thing for me. And sometimes when I have a sympathetic ear and you're like, it's cool. I understand. Right. Then it's like, then you just change the conversation, right? What's, uh, you know, what's the nicest thing you ever did for your ex-wife? What's uh, the craziest place you've ever gone on vacation? What's just, just send it off on a different path. So right? when it not, guy- se- not secretively, just, consciously pivot and control the conversation so that you end up enjoying the date. And by the way, he ends up enjoying the date. Right. He, he's not, he can't help himself in these moments. It's easy to say he should know better. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not how it works. And, and again, this is gender neutral advice, right? And you can flip this around and women do the exact same thing. You find a guy who seems like cute, good listener, sympathetic. And then it's, here's my painful history. Here's how I got here today. And he's not having fun anymore either. So this is, this is just good people advice. You can be a good listener without turning into a shrink. Okay. But so when someone does start unloading, like all the messy details of their divorce, how to gracefully shut that down. I understand what you're saying about that, but then isn't that a signal that he's not ready for a relationship? Mm, No, you you can make it that way. Um, There's way too much, nuance and subtlety to, to make that declaration. Uh, I had a client and I wrote about her and why he disappeared. She went on a, a first date with a guy and she told me like, it was like 10 minutes. He was bitching about his ex-wife and, and it was like, it was so unattractive. And mm-hmm. I said, all right, I get it. I'm not, I'm not defending him. Mm-hmm. How was the rest of the day? Like how was the two hours around, around the 10 minute rant? She's like, it was actually really great. I was very disappointed when he showed that side of him. Okay. I said, so give him a second date, see what happens. And she's like, Second day was the best date I ever had. Oh, all right. right. Now, again, I don't know where the story ends, but, but the, the, the idea 
that we judge someone, we spend so much time trying to judge someone and, and rule people out early on because you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to waste your time. Mm-hmm. So we pick up on these micro things to say, oh, that's a big red flag. Doesn't that mean? Well, it may mean, but just because someone who, has, who is having an authentic conversation has some measure of animosity towards their ex, right? I've, doc- I've dealt with women who have really terrible exes. Mm-hmm. And when they share their story, it's like, oh my God, that's horrifying. Am I supposed to have her put on a little smiley face and pretend that didn't happen if she's sharing with me? Right. No, it's, it's, you just don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but you can mm-hmm. still be a good listener and be, let him share and be vulnerable. And it makes a strong, strong connection. I know nobody wants to see their man as weak or complaining, mm-hmm. but it's like, you don't get to have it both ways. You could have the guy who just yaps a, about him and his accomplishments and sees you as a sexual object. Or you can have a guy who is, is emotionally connected and is being real with you, right? And it doesn't mean it's all created equal, right? There's a whole spectrum here of mm-hmm. guys. So it's, I don't want to give you the blanket advice that a guy who complains about his ex is irreversibly damaged goods, because that would be most of my clients are irreversibly damaged goods. <laughs> okay. Is that fair to say? That's very fair. All right. So that's, that's, and that's all I try to do is like, just, I just want you to see it from both sides. You're not wrong for saying these dates are kind of a dud when he starts turning me into a shrink. I get it. Right. So mm-hmm. it means almost you have to be twice as good. You have to be more on, right. M- more connected. You have to be better than him to elevate him. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're a better date, you're going to get a better, more confident guy showing up because you're forgiving his weakness. Okay. Right? And it builds his confidence. So thank you. Anyway, again, it's, it's not a magic formula, but it's a, it is a very good question. And it's a very common question. So thank you for asking it today. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Uh, it's my pleasure. Whew. These calls, these calls go fast. At least they do for me. Um, I want to thank you for joining me on today's love you podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, I'm interviewing a fascinating woman named Boomy Lauren Kristen on whether your bedroom decor is sabotaging your love life. Really interesting stuff. Nothing I know anything about, and I promise you don't want to miss it. If you enjoy these coaching calls and you want to be a future guest on the Love You podcast, just go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash podcast guest, and you can see upcoming topics and ask questions in advance. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and YouTube. Follow me on both Facebook and Twitter. And best of all, if you need help finding a man who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood, I give away more free advice than anybody on www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address. I will help you get the love you deserve. See you again next week on the Love You Podcast.